0: This is Block Time, and this is Michael Tidwell, and this is Michael B. Casey. And today we're interviewing Andrew Keyes.
1: Andrew, uh, would you please introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Andrew Keys. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. It was super cool um, time. Uh, my background is primarily capital markets. I worked at UBS. I worked at a Goldman Sachs-owned hedge fund, and also co-created a revenue cycle management company um, that dealt specifically in the healthcare. Turn, turn them down. Healthcare space, um, and basically during that time, I learned about Bitcoin. And um, my my position is that kind of Bitcoin was this amazing experiment in monetary policy, but now I turned it. Weird. We'll talk louder. Um, okay. Yeah, we, can, we can hear you. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, it was the, it was this amazing experiment in monetary policy, um, and solved you know the double spend, and and, and was just a, a true advancement in computer science. But I I wasn't able to do much more than kind of sh- shift a token from me to you, from you to another counterparty, etc. And, and I was really looking for kind of a, a platform that I could impart business logic as well. So kind of like the if-then-else statement. And I uh, was lucky enough to go to the first ever Ethereum.com meetup, like a nerd, uh, in New York. Uh, and it was being hosted by a gentleman by the name of Joseph Lubin, who was one of the co-founders of Ethereum. And long story short, uh, once I started to understand this technology... Uh, at kind of a, a very high level, um, I, I, I my, my imagination ran wild, and I and I basically uh, told Joe that I would work for free for him, <laughs> um, and, and, and I was kind of one of the the uh, original uh, group group of people that uh, started Consensus. So um, con, con, Consensus uh, is the largest Ethereum software engineering shop in the world. Um, we're now. What is oh, your title at Consensus? Oh, uh, head of global business development. And uh, there is a 150 plus people on uh, in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, um, and and basically we have kind of really three main thrusts. Uh, the first is infrastructure. We built two of the eight implementations of the Ethereum protocol. We built the Java client and the Haskell client. Um, Next is uh, we also build developer tools. So kind of the most downloaded developer tool, Truffle, uh, is uh, was built by a gentleman within our, our group uh, named Tim Coulter. Uh, and then we build what we consider to be core components to these next generation decentralized applications, um, which are, are, are things that we believe should be standardized um, so they can be replicated and used over and over again. So that's things like identity systems, registry systems, token issuance and management standards. Like ERC-22. Exactly, yeah. like ERC-20. Yeah, so, so that's kind of the, the protocol uh, infrastructure. Then real quickly, we have an enterprise consulting arm, which I help drive, uh, where we educate, elucidate use cases, and build production grade systems for governments, uh, companies, um, horizontally. So we are build production grade supply chains, production grade financial instruments. Um, and and, and uh, in, in, in horizontally, so not just one specific vertical. And then the last thing uh, is that we build product and we operate the product side of the house uh, like a venture studio model. And basically, uh, Betaworks made kind of the venture studio model kind of famous where an idea becomes a project, a project becomes a product, and then that product could eventually spin off to be its own company. So, so I've,
0: I remember the first time I saw you was at a conference. How many conferences, blockchain-related, have you uh, given
1: talks at? Many, 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 uh, all over the world. Um, and it's been probably the most fun I've ever had in my professional career. Um, just kind of interacting with people, um, debating how this stuff's going to play out, and just uh, witnessing kind of all the weird <laughs> things that
2: happen in crypto. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different ways it could play out. I mean, I don't think anybody really, well, not, I don't think anybody would have predicted what happened exactly with the Ethereum split and the way it went down. It would have been very difficult to know how that would have gamed out ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, the, the Dow obviously was a bit of a honeypot. Uh, and, but it it, just, to see the actual split happen in real time was very interesting.
0: What what's your opinion about the DAO split, and uh, we can then talk about like maybe sure. ETC and whatever.
1: Sure, sure, whatever you'd like. Um, I I think that the Dow itself was kind of an e- egregious, somewhat reckless, uh, premature money grab. Um, is that hindsight, or is that what you thought? I the I kick-go? didn't participate in it. I, I was I was worried about it from inception. I thought it uh, there, there were there were precautions that weren't taken and um, unfortunately uh, it happened while, in my opinion, the Ethereum network was in beta mm-hmm. and uh, and basically there was kind of a, almost a structural and foundational risk to the Ethereum project itself uh, because, you know, over 15% of the float was, uh, was, was in the Dow and 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 I think that the community did what it had to do to self-sustain. Um, I don't think that, going forward, the protocol should be dealing with the application layers' mistakes. Uh, and, and I think that we learned a lot from it, and I doubt we're going to see kind
2: of hard forks uh, like that so again. So when it went down, wh- which side did you favor? I favored... <laughs> Uh, you know, and this is this is coming from a
0: viewpoint of you were not invested in the Dow. I was yeah. not invested in the Dow. Okay,
1: I do believe that uh, you know a blocked one of blockchains most uh, most basic add values is its immutability. But I also uh, was practical in the sense that the Ethereum isn't fully production grade yet it, it hasn't solved scalability it hasn't solved privacy the libraries and that would that are being used uh weren't completely fleshed out and i and i think that we uh the 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 community and the foundation did what it had to do to sustain
2: i mean uh, what do you think the level is now basically like, because uh, the downfall of the DAO is basically a bug in solidity right i mean I
1: think,
2: well, this is my personal opinion. It might be that the those things are too complex to be flushed out for quite some time yet. I I, uh, I do think <laughs> that I do think that there are going to be more bugs.
1: I do think that this is going to breed a whole new level of security IT audit. Uh, I do think that formal verification uh, is going to be uh, uh, very important t- uh, to. Uh, uh, to uh, to to basically auditing these these, these uh, smart contracts before they go into production. So I think that what what it did do uh, is thankfully no one got hurt by it, and it bred the need uh, to create a whole new world of smart contract audit. Do
0: do you consider it a rollback or a bailout or what what like how do you view it
1: kind of like politically? I, I I view it as kind of an evolution in technology. When you look back at 2008 versus what happened with this, uh, we Specifically were... Specifically the hard fork, I'm talking... Or, uh, sorry, not the hard fork, but the... the, the I guess, the, I guess the you governance the hard mecha- fork, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the you know, the governance mechanisms, etc. around this, uh, I think is kind of a, a, an evolution in, in, in how we could potentially govern ourselves. And I think that, you know, uh, to, to, to this point, there's going to be kind of Ethereum that's going to have kind of rigid uh governance on smart contracts but there's also been new evolved technology like definity where you've heard that like the, you can actually have like ai based governance and if there is something like 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 a bug or a hack um that they do have the ability to kind of roll it um so i think that that's going to be an interesting that's kind of scary to me
0: <laughs> well uh, so what what do you think about etc are you invested in etc or do you think it's all going to be i i've sold Ethereum? all my
1: i've sold all my etc I uh, I think that it's primarily uh, kind of maximalists and or kind of antithetical uh, opponents to Ethereum development. Um, I think that there is not much being built for ETC. And I think that ETH is going to have scalability, privacy, um, and that's not going to be so.
2: Uh, it, that actually leads into a good, good question. It's a good segue. So, what are your thoughts and feelings on Casper and the proof of stake? Because I see that as the key differentiator going yeah. forward between ETC and ETH. Well, well,
1: so I would say scalability is a key differentiator, but Casper is just really one of three of the scalability milestones. So the first one is Raiden. Um, and yeah, or that's state channel lightning network yeah, equivalent. So, yeah, so like the lightning ne- ne- lightning network equivalent, um, and uh, Heiko Hees and Jeff Coleman um, in two different places. Heiko Hees from BrainBot Technologies and Jeff Coleman from Ledger Labs have been doing tremendous work on improving and optimizing state channels. So before even proof of stake happens, I think we're going to start seeing that next month. So that's going to be awesome. Secondly. Um, I think proof-of-stake is going to happen. I think it's going to happen in 2017. uh, And I think that it's going to, A, reduce the electricity burn, B, increase transactions per second, and C, lead to uh, the third milestone, which is quadratic sharding, where essentially just a shard of the network can uh, come to consensus upon the state rather than
2: the whole network. So both of those last two are, are very interesting to me because Raiden's pretty much summed up in the Lightning Network. It's it's a very yeah. similar implementation. So we're you know well-worn ground. But um, so for the other ones, like uh, specifically, I, I'm I'm very concerned by proof of stake because there has never been a large-scale proof of stake chain. It's never happened before. It's extremely Ethereum I think is
0: going to be really def- definitive on what proof of stake will look like for. Any kind of proof of stake system, if it if it ends up and, working out, I mean, because next
2: coin and Purecoin I don't think is a good no, representation. No, I don't think so. Well, I've never, I've never heard anybody explain to me exactly how proof of stake can remain completely decentralized, trust, trustably. But, um, I mean, cause it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs>
1: unfortunately, I'm not smart enough to be able to do that okay. either. Yeah, that's that's a Vitalik Vlad explained question, to me, but so <laughs> Vlad and Vitalik could do that uh, well. Uh, I I don't think that I I, I would do it justice. Uh, you can defer.
0: So Spe- okay. uh, speaking of which, are you? Um, I guess are you knowledgeable on the idea of stake grinding and nothing at stake issues with POS?
1: Yeah, and would it, you be it,
0: able to talk about those? Uh,
1: I I I. Understand them kind of at a, at a high level, but again, I think that Vlad and Vitalik would be happy to uh, have an interview with you guys, and I'd be happy to facilitate yeah, that. Excellent, I, that would be, that that we wonderful.
0: would we would love to. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get you guys yeah. on
1: an email, and uh, they they'd uh, he, they Vlad will talk for days about. It. <laughs> yeah, and
0: <laughs> uh, I have another question. So we we have this idea of consensus and different uh, methods, whether it be proof of work or proof of stake, coming up. And I, I, like I said, I really feel like proof of stake isn't here yet until Ethereum yeah. actually does it because we haven't really seen a, a good model of it. But um, agreed. But let's say it's scale. But but let's say let's say Ethereum proof of stake works, right? Yep. Let's just say, are we going to then think of blockchains as like okay, this is a POS blockchain? Like you have to kind of have this extra adjective, yeah. or would, will it just be a blockchain and so, consensus? So method?
1: so when we think about the internet right now, there's just HTTP. There's no private HTTP or public HTTP. They've just kind of converged, and like you can use HTTP in a firewall, and then that's quote unquote your private HTTP. What I think similarly is going to happen is that you're going to have a convergence point where you have permissioned blockchains and uh, permissionless blockchains, and um, one of the interesting uh, one of the interesting things that we've been working on is. Uh, is the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, which is basically a nonprofit, not not for profit, five hundred uh, one c six group that's working on optimizing uh, enterprise networks. And the reason I explain this is that it's going to be publicly announced who the members are tomorrow. But I can give you a little background on kind of some of the goals. Um, because I think it, it 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 will answer your question. So the there's basically we're going to create a reference architecture named f 1.0, and there will be three goals for f 1.0 in 2017. The first one is pluggable consensus, so the ability to swap out consensus algorithms. Uh, wait. And real quick, just just to be
0: clear, this is for the Ethereum enterprise enterprise. So, so you're going to abstract out consensus uh, methodology. Okay. Keep going. Yep. Or did you have a question? So,
2: well, report? yeah. So, so, so is that uh, for the the individual shards of the different portions of the network, or is this for private blockchains? So, or for what? private blockchains. Okay. Yeah. For uh, for, for, for private blockchains,
1: um, and then there's like so. For example, if there's a uh, a fabric consensus me- uh, mechanism, uh, or so. You so know, this is
2: for consortium. Yeah.
1: And yeah. and true private blockchain. Right. So right. like a proof of but, authority. But but. The notion is, is that you'd also be able to put in kind of proof of stake or, 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 or basically say that it's proof of stake and then interoperate on the public mainnet. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing is incorporating uh, the ideas um, that JP Morgan created with Quorum, which is basically adding privacy to transactions uh, in, in Ethereum um, in permission contexts. And then the third Do you know how they accomplished that? And and
0: and talk about JP Morgan, because I didn't even know JP Morgan was doing Ethereum development. There is barely.
1: Yeah, so there is a kind of a WTH notion uh, that JP Morgan is what the actually, hell? Yeah, what yeah. the heck I was gonna say. Oh, okay. <laughs> or why the face or how <laughs> rated R. It's on Otica. Okay, cool. Um, on on you know, wow, JP Morgan's actually open sourcing technology. Yeah. So just to be
0: clear, don't say words like fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah that's a bad one okay no keep going <laughs> cool um, yeah jp J- J- morgan's gonna love this <laughs> <laughs> don't, <laughs> worry. don't worry there's
0: like the, the people who Ooh. listen to our show are you know sure? so cool. No, yeah. yeah so
1: um no worries um so long story short uh jpm uh, participated in Hyperledger, participated in R3 and, uh, and and did a lot of experimentation with Ethereum and the one thing that JP Morgan said is that basically the whole the whole chain, we don't want to show all of our transactions to the whole chain so basically if there are two counterparties, we want counterparty A and B and a regulator to uh, be the only people that are actually seeing that transaction.
2: Yeah, that was the biggest problem I heard about uh, R3's attempt. It was the parties wanted uh, they wanted privacy and they wanted their counterparties not to see their books, right. which, you know, yeah, yeah, obviously. So all right, so do you all
0: right, so at what point um with the consensus model? Not
1: all right, let well, me so let me ask you it this way. So wait, can I just finish because sure. we just sure. did two out of the three oh, NTF things, so sure. and just so we can just put oh, a, no, go a, ahead. Pe- a period at the end of that. Yeah. So the last piece of NTF... 1.0 will be uh, permissioning. So basically, you're going to have rules-based auth-auth permissioning. Um, and that's going to be kind of the, the holy trinity of our goals for the reference architecture. And You've I
2: spent on that rules-based auth-auth permissioning. permissioning.
1: So basically, every corporation has different people that have different access points, HR versus legal versus compliance. Uh, and we're going to basically have kind of permissioning uh, roles based within the blockchain database. And, and so I, what I should do is I'm going to facilitate another interview with the technical steering leads, Bob Summerwill, formerly of the Ethereum Foundation, and Shahan Kachikorian, uh PhD in distributed systems, um, that can walk you through like, the technical architecture. Sure. Uh, but again, I might ask
0: you a question or two after this. But sure, we'll, if you can answer them, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm curious, and this is this is kind of going back a little bit. Do you ever see a private blockchain using POW ever? No, okay,
1: and 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 see, that was that really that's the problem. I'm just asking um, that everybody, so basically, you have like JP Morgan, you've got Santander, you've got all these big banks. All of these Fortune 500s, you BHP built in for supply chain, all they did was they took Geth, Go, Ethereum, then they were tweaking it and they were pulling out proof of work and putting in their own type of consensus. And they shouldn't be even playing at the protocol layer. It's a waste of their time. So this is what this is going to do is it's going to kind of optimize and create that enterprise protocol level so everyone can build cool stuff at the application layer.
0: I, I got so I got another question. So with the the private blockchain space is very interesting to me, um, and and I and I really want to know more about it. Like when you have a private blockchain, how do you? Uh, who are the stewards of that network? And then at what point uh, do you do? You, how do you keep that decentralized, distributed factor? Sure. Uh, when you when you have when you need oracles and off, authorization points and sure. all this stuff.
1: So so the stewards of the permissioned or private blockchain are the members that agree to participate in it. So they've got to basically agree and be granted into the environment. So there's a certain kind of contextual uh, agreement to participate within the network. And then you've got to have kind of the administrator of the network.
0: Uh, so, so for instance, uh, Hyperledger, but now specifically Fabric, is using like a message brokering system Apache Kafka for like their back-end mm-hmm. blockchain mm-hmm. Uh, idea for their private mm-hmm. um, do you consider that like a blockchain or is this really like if there is a private blockchain it's really just like a really highly scalable message broker and it's not actually like blocks
1: like a big <laughs> no, I, or a mean, deal. I uh- um, and I'm just curious on your. I mean, views I think there's going to be different flavors, uh, and I think that there's going to be kind of interoperability points. I think that there's merit in what Hyperledger is doing, specifically, you know, in Fabric, or I think there's uh, merit in Sawtooth Lake. I think there's merit in Aroha. I think that there's merit in Corda, um, and I think there's merit in a lot of the Ethereum development as well.
0: Uh, so, so I, I do want to know. And, and this is like su- such an interesting question. Uh, maybe we should have asked earlier. Um, what is, and, and, and this could go on for a long time, but what is, like I guess, the most concise definition of blockchain that you have? Uh, because everyone's definition, because we're in such a like, you know, They're all different. new space. Yep. I, Depending upon yours.
1: the context in which it's being used, it's the next generation of the database in a private setting and the next generation of the internet in the public setting.
2: So, I mean, what are the defining characteristics of a blockchain, in your view? Uh, For the database part that you talked about. So you've got a
1: database structure, peer-to-peer networking, cryptographic token in public, a virtual machine. And I think that Ethereum really drives uh, the difference um, by having a Turing-complete virtual machine where you can have state. uh,
2: And then there's one more. I'll get back to you on the last one. Well, I, was, I wasn't necessarily talking about the components, uh, but like well, the properties. It's like I mean, like, the, the I'd basic like to hear the components. Like, like immutability. Yeah, resiliency, distributed. Yeah, decentralization. Oh, see, that's a very important point. Distributed versus decentralized. Where do you uh, draw the line there? Semantics. Just semantics? Yeah. Okay. So you, yeah the, but, it, I, but again, yeah. I'm not one of the protocol
1: developers. You know, they, They're probably above my, my pre-grade.
2: Yep. So um, so what about uh, trustlessness? Where does that... Uh, so, so I mean, my, my, my position is that
1: the cost of trust is going to plummet. Right now we pay Mark, we pay Sergey, we pay Larry a ton of money because they own our digital identity. And what's going to happen in the future is that we're going to have self-sovereign identity where rather than having to access transactions
2: or Socialization through intermediaries, we're going to be doing this peer to peer. Do you see the future of this as ultimately being on a public blockchain or yes. being okay? So, you see it eventually I, I, on a public blockchain. I, I, I see the
1: world where every corporation is going to have their own permissioned blockchain, just like they have a SQL, like an intranet, or like, yeah, like an everyone has their own or internet, Oracle or SAP database. Then there's going to be consortia ones where you've got multiple counterparties and a regulator um, that may never touch the public internet, just like Swift has always been on an intranet and never touched. And then there's going to be the permissionless public Ethereum mainnet well, and, and things like IPFS, uh, which I'm a big fan of for decentralized storage. Um,
0: I, so, one, one of the components you brought up earlier, which was interesting, a uh, defining characteristic of even a private blockchain is a token. Is that true or false? Or because uh, I, I I heard you say that, but no, the winces you're giving me make it seem like no, maybe that's I not true.
2: They, they, so I, you don't, I don't think? Yeah, they can be tokenless. Is what yeah, absolutely, they can, can be tokenless. That's that's what absolutely. You're saying. Tokenless. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so I see that basically that's true of consortia and private. They can be tokenless, but a public has no. You to need have a token. you need you need to have a token to secure the network. Yeah. Yeah, versus
1: private, you can use other mechanisms so, to secure the right. network. So you talked
2: about private blockchains, and specifically, what advantage could you possibly have for using, I mean, I'm just my so own notification, versus I just like a database. We've got to have the
1: stepping stones of, of how companies learn about this stuff. You're not going to get
2: banks or insurers or... So it's just like a beta test farm is the only uh, advantage. And
1: and, and and I do think that there there are optimizations of, of being able to kind of optimize smart contracts uh, versus a regular database that doesn't have smart contract functionality, A. B, you can have permissioned blockchains that are consortia driven. So so we just announced the production-grade supply chain for BHP Billiton, which is the largest natural resources mining company in the world. And what we were able to do is we were able to add um, their vendors on their private blockchain. So what what we were able to do is rather than having kind of silos of information now you had this kind of global
2: i mean when, once you add more than one party it kind of comes with consortium or is it truly controlled by the private entity well that the well, they, place, they, or? It, it depends
1: on kind of how you want to define it but there's usually like a bully so this one was you know this the, company and then okay, they said the, you vendor said the abc the yeah. bully yeah,
0: yeah.
2: That's,
1: a, that's a good term for that
0: <laughs> the yeah. private blockchain is so, so, the bully. <laughs> so, so you just brought up uh smart contracts yep I want to know what is a smart contract, and what smart contracts do you think will end up being the most popular? Like what types?
1: So, in its simplest form, uh, smart contracts are software logic. Um, I think that smart contract, as an actual term, is probably poorly uh, defined, uh, and really, I think that it's business logic that you know is is simply kind of if then else. Where, you know, if I send you X, then I own what you were selling me. Right. And, and, and basically, the, the, the difference is that previously, we needed an intermediary because we couldn't trust each other um, for that transaction. So maybe we had a bank between us. But now, um, we can basically have these kind of escrow functionalities that I know... If I look at the code, that if I send you X,
2: then you will have to give me Y. Okay. So, um, important clarification. Is this accurate to say that that can only be done with smart property and smart tokens? I mean, you can't do this with dollars. So, I
1: I think that – so, to your point, I think that right now it's the first inning. And um, I do believe we're going to tokenize all assets. So, you're going to have tokens of fiat currency. You're going to have tokens of commodity like gold or wheat or crude oil. I mean,
2: uh, gold is a hard shake because of counterparty risk on it. Because even if you tokenize it, it doesn't mean you actually hold the gold. So, I mean, but, but then you may
1: have like custodians like the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, Sandro this morning. Um, that will be like a trusted intermediary that'll say that they have the asset
2: this is i mean yeah this is where i I get a little weird because like for me that's not trustworthy enough i prefer things like like the etf they can prove that they actually have the bitcoin over and over and over you can't do that with the gold or sheep or wheat Uh, i
0: want to ask a quick question about smart contracts do you consider a bitcoin transaction or some of the use of the opcode smart contracts or does it? Is it typically more like a Turing complete Ethereum
1: kind of a smart contract when we really think of these I, things? I I don't consider Bitcoin to have smart contract functionality, although I am not
2: even like a multi sig. Res-
1: well, that's fair. Yeah. Bitcoin multi sig, I think, it could could be defined as a smart contract. Um, I but 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 don't get it confused. Um, <laughs> I I think that we are standing on the shoulders of giants in terms of what Bitcoin created for computer science. So, what do you think the future
0: of proof of work is? Will Bitcoin survive? Like, is proof of work kinda gonna I, just die I, out? I, what, what's your I opinion?
1: I, you know what, I can't even handle what goes on in Bitcoin. Um, I, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a sad stalemate. Um, I don't know how to... I To be honest with you, my brain is spent 99% on the Ethereum stack okay. so so, so I, I, I don't follow it as much but I mean you know a 1 meg block size isn't going to cut it
2: do you think uh, eventually the two platforms can exist side by side or do you think one's going to overtake the other I, I, I think that Ethereum can do everything that
1: Bitcoin does better and I think that it also has Smart contract functionality and a stateful virtual machine. Um, the one thing that hasn't been defined with Ethereum is the monetary policy. So right now there's a 26% inflation rate, and uh, and supposedly that will be changed uh, when we transition from proof of. I mean,
2: doesn't that like violate like a social contract of a pre-funded? You know what I mean? To change the issuance rate? I mean, I d- well, it was always that that was always part of.
1: That was open ended from inception. So people that were uh, interested in it, they knew that.
0: Uh, do you think that an inflationary cryptocurrency is actually more realistic? Yeah, to I, than, I, I, than uh, yeah, I something think, like Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I, I think that you know. Well, but the other side of that is is that Bitcoin's like infinitely divisible, so you can always kind of just divide
2: the Bitcoin well no, just the question cause basically more from uh, incentive for the miners like more get, like more well, like well, actually, uh, proof of stake there are no more miners. like economics more like economics of inflation so you still,
1: to still proof, have to do something if you to, to, to proof incentivize
2: stake, then you don't right well, you don't but you still you have
1: to incentivize the stakers
2: well, yeah, but they can receive fees, right? From transactions, conceivably. So, right. I don't so, know. So, so,
1: so, I mean, I think that that's the part in kind of the evolution of this that's not fu- fully defined.
2: Yeah, yet. if you could hook us up with Vlad, that yeah. would be I'll get you to guys, Vlad.
1: So, <laughs> I, I think that a good one would be Vlad and andor Vitalik. I would love it'd be great. If, if we have had a Vitalik, both, they Vlad would kill like, us as far as yeah. They would just yeah, yeah, well. Very you guys short. know
2: how it feels. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you guys are pretty good too. Uh, well, no, I mean Vitalik and Vlad, we would maybe
1: it would be an interesting interview. But, yeah,
2: uh, it, it, I guarantee it'd be an interesting. You interview. Send me an email, and, yeah, and sure. I'll get
1: it. And then the other one that I'm going to do is get you Bob Summerwell and Shahan to go through the ETH technical roadmap. Because um, cool. I think you guys will uh, like that too, and then you can kind of. I
0: have a question about the ETF. It came up earlier. If Bitcoin and the Winklevoss ETF actually gets accepted, do you think Ethereum will have a similar ETF come about? Absolutely,
1: there already is one.
2: Uh, in oh, the, in the. Yeah. I didn't know Ether,
1: that. Uh, Ether, and ETF. If you wait. like found it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah they, but, but it's what, not. What is,
2: it, is it a digital ETF or is it actual SEC approved? SC, well, the, it's it's going through the. Okay, process. it's going through the same process. Yeah. Yeah. okay. Yeah, they're, they're it'd good be Interesting. Guys. Yeah, I'd like to get more details on that. I wasn't aware of that one. I'm interested to hear.
0: What's your view on like how the blockchain space will evolve? Will the will will there be multiple blockchains? Will there only be like stuff like Ethereum that has like pegged side projects or like something? I'm like, somewhat biased. I okay. do
1: think that Ethereum is going to permeate uh, because it's created to be a decentralized application platform, um, and it is the only one that has the ability to splay its logic, permissionless, semi-private consortia, and permissioned. Um, And uh, I think that what you're going to see is there are going to be permissioned blockchains that each company has, consortia blockchains that are private, and there's going to be business logic that splays into a handful of large
2: public blockchains. So if, if we could get back to sharding really quickly, and I don't know, you know, let me know if you're out of your depth at all. I am, but like, well, yeah, <laughs> but just in general, you may know some highlights. I'm already out of my depth. <laughs> well, so am I. But um, so so as far as the uh, the sharding, because it just it seems really redundant to have a world computer where every node runs the yeah. entirety of every smart contract known demand. So when they do sharding, is the plan to run a su- uh, subset of the smart contracts on a subset of the nodes, exactly, if, effectively? Okay, yeah. Okay, I, you know, I I have to read up and learn these- more about the planned implementation for that because it, yeah, obviously it can't can't scale at all the way it is currently. Right. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's but kind of I, but you know,
1: I the people said you couldn't have a Turing complete virtual machine, you know. Initially, I mean, these guys. If I was a betting man, the the people at the Ethereum Foundation. They, they're the horse to bet on. They, 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 they I, 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 haven't found a sharper group of developers. And so, how
0: much of the, how much code does actually Vitalik do? Or is he mainly just evangelism?
2: Does a ton. Does a ton. Okay. His hands are dirty every day.
0: All right. Um, I don't necessarily have any more questions, Mike. Do you?
2: No, not not really, man. Uh, thanks. Well, thanks. A lot. No worries. It yeah. was
0: uh, good to get to know you, and uh,
2: interested to. Have
0: you set us up with Vitalik and yeah, Vlad potentially? Absolutely. So yeah. Cheers, yeah. guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, guys.